0: Yeah, how are you all doing tonight? <laughs> how many of you are excited to be in the house of God tonight? Are you having a good time? Yeah, are you enjoying the presence of God? Fantastic, I love it when God comes and uh, just manifests in a, just an incredible way. And it's so good to see so many people touched tonight. And it's great to be touched by the presence of God myself. So uh, that's good. All right, are you ready for the Word of God tonight? Uh, we're going we're to have a speed word tonight. Are you ready for a speed word tonight? <laughs> All right, okay. Have you ever had some trouble in your life, some tough times, where you've thought, how am I ever going to get through this? How am I ever going to get through this? Who's had experiences like that? Yeah, okay. How many of you have ever had experiences like that where you've said, God, where are you? Where are you? If this is going on in my life, where are you? Because I want you right now. So I've had plenty of experiences like that, and uh, uh, so I want to ask you the question: How do you overcome tough times? How do you get over them? And uh, because that's really important. Because when bad stuff happens and seems to keep on happening, okay, how do you keep your life on track? You see, we live in a, in a broken world. We live in, in a broken world where bad stuff happens and tough times happens to everyone. There are no exceptions and no free passes. You know, it doesn't matter how old or young you are. There will always be dark times that you need to navigate. Every family has its uh, share of pain and difficulty. It doesn't matter how good they look from the outside. You might look at them and you think, wow, they're the perfect family. I wish I belonged to a family like that. And, you think, and then you get in the inside and you think, oh, my word, that goes on in there. What? Yeah? Okay. So every family has their troubles. It doesn't matter how much money you have, bad stuff still happens. That money can't buy your way out of. Okay? Fame won't exclude you from trouble. Just look at the entertainment pages in the, uh, on, your, uh, uh, on your stuff web page, and you see that uh, fame certainly will not buy your way out of trouble or get you out of trouble. It doesn't matter what position you have, there will be difficult times. It doesn't make any difference whether you're married or single. There will be hardships. Okay? So maybe you're going through a tough time right now. You see, because it's a guaranteed deal that all of us will face times of difficulty at some point in our lives. Okay? But how you come through tough times is all a matter of your choices. And tonight I want to take a, a real quick look. A real quick look at a young man who lived through some incredibly difficult stuff, and yet he came out just glowing and came out all smelling of roses, even though he had went, gone through the sewers of life, if you like. Uh, but he came out all smelling of roses. And so I'm going to pick up one aspect of his life. There's lots of aspects of his life that we could pick up. But this guy's name was Joseph. Everyone say, Joseph. Joseph. Okay, the story of Joseph is one of the longest stories of a person's life in the Bible. It starts in chapter 37 of Genesis and ends in chapter 50, and I'm going to read it all to you tonight. Uh, No. Yeah! Who said yeah? I like you. Yeah. All right. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to give you a real quick, quick tour of that, because Joseph was from a typical dysfunctional family. Okay, Joseph had 11 brothers, 10 of whom hated his guts with a passion. They disliked him. You see, Joseph and his 11 brothers, okay, they were a big messed up family. You see, they had one father, but four, okay, four, four mothers. Four mothers, can you believe it? I was thinking about that. I was talking about it with the girls on the way into, into uh, town tonight and uh, thinking, what would it be like living in a family like that? Or- Twelve males, all twelve young guys, full of testosterone and and, uh, uh, agitation, and four different mothers, all in the same place. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that would be like? And then to make things worse, their father, Jacob, okay, he plays the favorites game. Okay, so Jacob is the father of all of these boys, and he likes Joseph the best. And he makes no secret of it. He treats Joseph better than the others. And this just really upsets his brothers big time. And what's more than that, Joseph gets a dream. Okay, Joseph gets a dream. He gets not just one dream, but he gets two dreams. In the first dream, he's uh, he's out in the harvest field. And his bundle of wheat stands up strong and tall. And all his brother's bundles of wheat come around and bow down before them. Okay? And guess what he does? He goes and tells his brothers the dream. Uh, do you think they love him more? No, they hate him even more. Then he gets another dream. In this dream, he says, 11 stars come down and bow before him, and the sun and the moon also. And, you know, you'd think that Joseph would learn by now, but he tells his brothers again, and he tells his mum and dad, and his brothers, they just, they want to kill him. They're seriously set on doing him some damage. Okay, so they scheme. They scheme about Joseph, and they're going to decide we're going to kill him. And then we think, no, we'll get a lot better out of it if we sell him. So they sell Joseph to slave traders who take him down to Egypt. So one minute, Joseph is a young man, 17 years old, with a dream. In fact, not one, just one dream, two dreams. He's got a dream in his heart. And a whole lifetime ahead of him, next minute, he's on the back of a camel with his feet and hands in chains, with a lifetime of slavery ahead of him. What's he going to do? You see, in Egypt, Joseph is sold to a, a, a top official in Egypt, a man called Potiphar. And you see, years pass by, and Joseph does really well. Everything that Joseph does, even as a slave, everything that Joseph does turns to gold. He's successful. And all of a sudden, he rises to a position where he's ruling all of Potiphar's house. And he's doing good. He's got the position, even as a slave. He's got the power. He's got the privileges. He's got the perks, even as a slave. Life is going sweet for him. And then trouble comes and visits Joseph again in the form of a woman. Everyone say, uh oh. Yeah. You see, Joseph, he's young. He's young and good-looking and buff, okay? Like, uh, like, uh, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like me about 20 years ago, okay? Now, like, <laughs> like the Duxfield brothers all rolled into one, okay? <laughs> Joseph's got it all going on. And you see, he's in this house with Mrs. Potiphar, Okay, and Mrs. Potiphar is a desperate housewife. Okay, Mrs. Potiphar is a desperate housewife that makes Susan, Lynette, Gabrielle, and Brie all look tame. So who know? Who know? <laughs> don't. Yeah, You're trying to tell me you don't know their names. I didn't. I had to look on the internet, okay? So... <laughs> Uh, that's true. Okay, that is the truth. Okay, and uh, Mrs. Potiphar, she's a desperate housewife. She is a pampered, pagan, bad girl. Okay, with the morals of a rabbit. Okay, uh, and she—you gotta read this story. This uh, this is great story, eh? Yeah. If it was if it was if there was a movie on this, it was it would be R eighteen. Okay, so I won't let my kids read it. All right. So she's got the morals of a rabbit, and she's used to getting what she wants. And she wants relations with Joseph in the most intimate and physical kind, and she pursues them relentlessly. And Joseph says, no way. I'm not going to do that. And one one day, she's so much after Joseph. You are like, this is crazy stuff, you know. Like wow! One day, she sees Joseph and she insists that he comes to bed with him, with with her. You know, and like uh, 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 careful, okay, all right, okay. And Joseph says, "No, I'm not going to do this." He runs away, but she gets a hold of his cloak. And as he's running away, he gets he's running away in his birthday suit. Okay, and she's got a hold of his clothes. Okay, and she's furious now because she figures, how dare he? How dare he treat me like this? Okay, how dare he? And so she screams and she said, that Hebrew, he tried to rape me. And after, and, and she's got his cloak in her hand. What can he do? So when Potiphar finds out, he's in jail. Joseph is thrown in jail. So it would be easy for Joseph right then, and they 'd given to despair and depression at that point. Unjustly imprisoned, thrown in prison. In fact, He was doing the right thing, incredible, superhuman. That's about as unfair as it gets. But Joseph gets to work in the prison, and again, something incredible happens. He finds that he's got favor with the prison warden. Once he was a prisoner, and even though he's a prisoner, suddenly he finds himself in charge and running the whole prison. God's with him and helps him. You see, Joseph doesn't give up, even though there's lots of bad, tough, nasty stuff going on in his life. You know, it's, a, it's an incredible story. Incredible story. Joseph lives through so much bad stuff, it just blows my mind. In fact, it's 13 years. 13 years Joseph spends either as a slave from year 17 years of age through to 30. He's either a slave or a prisoner until his final breakthrough comes, where he's called out of the prison to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And in a moment he goes from the pit to the palace. And one day, he goes from the pit to the palace. And you see, there's not a trace of bitterness or anger in Joseph's life. Not one bit. There's not a trace of nastiness about him. You see, there's not a trace of unbelief. You see, most of us, if we suffered that many injustices, we'd be thinking, God, I'm over you completely. I'm over you. If this is the dream that you gave me, then stick it. I don't want it. Go. I don't want to have anything to do with you. But Joseph wasn't like that. And I kind of wonder, what was it? What was it that enabled Joseph to have such a sweet spirit in the midst of such appalling difficulty, trials that we couldn't even believe of it. Because sometimes I think my life sucks. Okay, who's ever thought their life sucks? Yeah, okay. Sometimes I think my life sucks. But then I read Joseph's life, and I feel pretty happy. You know, (laughs) I get real happy. Because I think as bad as my life could be, it's nowhere near as bad as that. And I wonder, what was it that made Joseph such an incredible character? And there's a whole lot of things that we can look at, but I I just want to choose one. You see, if you want to get through tough times, you need to dare to dream. You need to dare to dream. Dreaming is so important. You see, Joseph had a dream. He had two dreams, and he dreamed of greatness. See, I believe that was a key to him triumphing over unbelievably bad times. You see, God has a dream and a plan for your life. Tell the person next to you, God has a dream for your life. Your life is not random. It's not. The, we're not the product of some cosmic accident. We were planned. We were planned for a purpose. We were built. And if we want to overcome tough times and live a life of significance, we need to have a dream. We need to have a dream. You see, in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, God says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now stop and think about that for a moment. Just close your eyes and think about that. God, the same God who created the universe. The same God who created the stars in the sky. The same God who created the planets and the galaxies. The God who created this earth, the mountains and the sea. The God who made all the living creatures thinks about you. He has a dream for you. He cares about your life. He's got a plan for you. doesn't matter what trouble you're going through right now doesn't matter what's going on in your life. doesn't matter how little and insignificant you think you are. God has got a plan for you. That's a big deal. You see, right there, that should be a circuit-blowing concept. God has been thinking about you and still thinking about you right now. You see, you're not insignificant to God. That's an incredible thing. He's thinking about you. The psalmist says in Psalm 8, verse 3, And four, it says, when I, he says, he's amazed by it. The psalmist, he says, when I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in the place, when I look at that, what is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? God thinks about you. He cares about you. That should be enough to blow your wires. You see, you have not been forgotten. You've not been put on the shelf. You're not past your expiry date. You'd be glad about that. See, not only does God think about you, he has a great plan for your life. You were planned for greatness. God says, not only do I have a plan, but it's a great plan. It's a good plan. The Hebrew word is shalom. It means peace. It means complete. It means whole. It means prosperous. It means healthy. It means to be a friend of. You see, when God has a plan for you, It's a plan to bring you peace. It's a plan to make you complete. It's a plan to make you whole. It's a plan to prosper you and to heal you. And he plans to be your friend. And that's an incredible thing. You See, I wonder how Joseph stayed his course. How Joseph went through all that trouble and didn't give up. You see, he knew that God had a great plan for his life. He had a dream and he held on to that dream. Do you have a dream for your life? Do you have a dream that's God's placed in your heart and your life? Something that compels you through trouble? I want to encourage you today. Get in touch with that dream because God's got a dream for your life. Get in touch with what he wants to do. You see, what is a dream? A dream's not a fantasy. You see, plenty of people confuse dreams with fantasies. You see them trying out for uh, uh for for the idol competitions, you know, uh, and they put them on to mock them on TV like they, uh, and, and you see them crash and burn and they, they make a big deal of it because they've got a fantasy of greatness, but no one told them that they couldn't sing like <laughs> So a dream is not a fantasy. Tell the person next to you a dream's not a fantasy. Yeah. Uh, See, a dream is connected to reality in some way. Dreams recognize that you still need to earn a living. You still need to take care of yourself and your family. A fantasy will stop you from engaging with with reality. A God-given dream will be big. It'll be in harmony with your passion, what you're enthusiastic about. But it's got to be more than that. This is important. God-given dream will be in harmony with your gifts, your talents, your personalities, your personality, who you are. You see... I've had some dreams, and I've had some fantasies. Who would like to hear one of my fantasies? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. I had a fantasy. I, I thought it was a dream. I've always admired musicians, you know. I've always admired, especially guitarists. I, I love to watch someone who's skillful on a guitar, and I watch Jimi Hendrix, and I watch Eric Clayton, Eric Clapton, rather, Eric Clapton, Eric Clapton, <laughs> and I think, God, I want to play like that. God, could I, could I play like that? I want to play like Eddie Van Halen, you know, I'm showing my age. You guys don't even know who Eddie Van Halen is, do you? <laughs> do you? <laughs> That's a scary deal. <laughs> And I thought I could be a great musician. And someone at Bible school told me that I could if I just practiced hard enough. So I bought me a guitar. <laughs> okay. And they said, if you practice half an hour every day, by the end of the year, you'll be a pretty good guitarist. You'll probably be able to lead uh, worship in the cell group. I thought, okay, there's a challenge. So for a whole year, I practiced. Thump, 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 thump. Okay. <laughs> every day. Half an hour. And guess what? By the end of the year, I still still couldn't play. My dogs got fleas in a recognizable way. (laughs) I tell you, my dream to be a great musician was a fantasy. So I let go of it, wisely. (laughs) I wasn't built to be a great musician. But I tell you what, there was something else that I had. I had a dream in my heart that wasn't a fantasy. I had a dream in my heart to be a pastor. That dropped into my heart within a few months of being saved. I was just a, a, a new Christian, barely sorting out relationships and, uh, uh, and, and habits from 20 years of, of ungodly living. But I had dropped in my heart that I would be a pastor and it wouldn't go away. You would look on the outside and you think, not a chance, not a chance. And sometimes I would think, what are you thinking? But I tell you, that dream wouldn't go away. And I continued to think on that and to work towards that. And 10 years later, I was asked to be a pastor. So isn't that amazing? You see, it came in keeping. Yeah, that's good news, eh? <laughs> So how do you get a dream for your life? You first, you've got to be connected with God. You've got to be connected with Jesus Christ by receiving Him into your life. You see, and then what happens? A dream comes, it might come as a vision by night. might come as a vision by day. But more often, I tell you, it's just like something that happened to me. Just a thought that comes into your heart that won't go away. A recurring thing that you think, I want to do that. You see, a God-given dream for your life answers the questions, what am I really good at? These are important questions you need to ask yourself. These, Because a dream will help you get through tough times. A dream was the key that helped Joseph get through 13 years of slavery and imprisonment. What am I really good at? What would I really like to do with my life? What would I commit the rest of my life to work towards? I can't even tell you how big and how important it is to answer those questions. But I believe very, very strongly that because Joseph knew who he was, he knew what God had made him for. It made his choices of his attitudes and his decisions a whole lot clearer and a whole lot easier easier. You see, he knew he was born to rule. He knew that his life was made for significance. And if he was made for significance, he wasn't going to devalue his life in any way. You see, when you have a dream, it makes your decisions clearer of what you do and who you do it with. You wouldn't let anyone rob you of your dream because your dream is precious. It's more important than some cheap easy relationship. Your dream is more important than the approval or the demands of others. Your dream is more important than short-term pleasure. You see, when you have a God-given dream, you don't cheapen your life in any way. No more than you take a brand-new luxury car like a BMW Series 7 and enter it into a demo Derby, 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 demolition race. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Tongue tied. No more would you do that or take that luxury car down to the riverbank b- river, river and just hack it up around the tracks and the mud. You see, but the crazy thing is some people do that, exactly that sort of thing with their lives. They take their lives that are infinitely more valuable than a luxury vehicle and they run their lives through the dirt of life, getting involved in dumb relationships that go nowhere. Doing things that devalue them and rob them of their dignity because they never know who they are. Tonight I want to ask you if you have a dream. Do you have a dream? Do you have a dream that God's placed within your heart? If you haven't, set yourself about asking God those questions. Set yourself about asking God, God, what am I really good at? What would you have me to do? God, what could I spend the rest of my life doing? If you have a dream and you've been through tough times and you've been questioning it, Hold on to it. Because though you go through trouble, God will bring you through. Hold on to it. Don't let go. Hold on to your faith in God. Hold on to the dream that he gives you because it's precious. It'll help you through any tough time. See, I've been a Christian now for 20 years, and I've been through plenty of tough times. And God's brought me through every one of them. One of the most significant things that's held me through any trouble that came was knowing the dream in my heart that I was made for something special. I was made for greatness. And that's the same for you. You've been made for greatness tonight. I don't know where you are or where you've come from or what trouble there might be going through your life. But I want to tell you that God's been thinking about you. And he's got a great plan for you right now. I want everyone to close your eyes. I want everyone to close your eyes and bow your head. Father, we ask for your presence just to come right now. We thank you for your life. We thank you, Lord, that you have been thinking about about us now just begin in your heart to look towards heaven look up in your heart to God who created you made you he stretches out his arms to you you see he's a good God we don't need to fear him he's got good plans for us If you're a Christian, you're a child, a son or a daughter, and you're going to win no matter what happens, no matter what trouble you go through in your life. But right now, I want to speak to two groups of people right now. I want you to listen very carefully. Some of you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You may have come from a Christian home, but you've never made a commitment yourself. Some of you are backslidden, a long way from God, lukewarm. You've been named, made, maybe known as a Christian, but the reality is that you're a long way from God. Heaven is so real. We've sensed His presence tonight, the presence of heaven itself. But let me tell you, so is hell. It doesn't matter what your friends say. They won't be with you when they stand when you stand before God at the end of your life. It doesn't matter what the teachers or anyone else say in opposition. They don't know. They're not an expert on heaven or hell. Jesus Christ is. And 2,000 years ago, he showed his love for you by stepping out of heaven into this world and dying on the cross for you and I. His blood was spilled out to pay the debt of sin. By dying on the cross once and for all, Jesus Christ paid for your sin and mine. And it didn't end there. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And he's alive today. And one day, each and every one of us will stand before him. In fact, right now, he's walking in this place, knocking on hearts, saying, Will you let me in? Will you surrender your life to Jesus today? You can choose not to. You can keep on going on your own life. But you got to know that ultimately you lose. Or you can choose to surrender tonight to Jesus Christ, knowing that your sins have been forgiven, that you have a place in heaven, and that God himself will help you through every tough time. If that's you tonight and you say, Pastor Doug, I want to be a Christian.